Hello and welcome to Tune and Talk, your rendezvous for animation interviews straight from the animation industry. I am your host, Whitney Grace, and I bet you're wondering, Whitney, it's been two weeks. Where were the new episodes you promised? Well, oh, I bet you're saying, Whitney, did you have a depressive episode? Well, uh, yeah, I have a chemical imbalance in my head that is hereditary. Every day is a depressive episode for me. Yeah, not really. I take pills for all that. Actually, no, I was moving. Yeah. I was moving during the COVID-19 pandemic, and so I had strangers wandering in and out of my two new homes, touching all my furniture, boxes of books. Oh, it was a mess. And guess who made the not-so-bright decision of packing my recording equipment in a nice safe box bringing it to the new place but packing my usb adapter in a different box that took a while to find because i have so many boxes of books you see i have a macbook air a very thin nice piece of technology but the apple designers in order to be more minimalist made the stupid decision of not having USB adapter ports on any MacBooks anymore. Curses to Apple. Alas, I am not as famous as I like to think I am. My dogs say I have delusions of grandeur, while my stuffed animals say I have illusions of grandeur. More or less, they mean the same thing, but one is kind of like when you're hallucinating and the other illusions, it's kind of more in your imagination. So more or less the same thing. I have been in quarantine for over 60 days and I have eaten over 40 Twinkies in the past week. Apparently they do survive apocalypse. I really need to get out of the house. So without further ado, we are going to talk about a book I have been reading in quarantine called The Deep and Dark Blue by the talented Nikki Smith, published earlier in 2020 by Hatchet. I mean, Hache. It's the publisher that is pronounced Hache, H-A-C-H-E-T-T-E, but because it's a French word and we're, we're in America, it should be pronounced Hatchet. Oh, those French words always having consonants that are silent. Moving beyond Romance language pronunciation rules that should be illegal. The Deep and Dark Blue is a brand new graphic novel for fans of fantasy author Tamora Pierce, as well as Avatar The Last Bender and The Legend of Korra from Nickelodeon Animation Studios. And for those who also want a character set in the LGBTQA genre. However, this book is not entirely about LGBTQA. It just starred a person of that persuasion. The Deep in a Dark Blue is a graphic novel about a pair of twins who are victims of a military coup and are forced to flee for their lives. They shelter in a magical sisterhood of women who are masters of the textile arts, spinning thread, weaving, crocheting, anything along those lines. While in hiding, they plan to reclaim their rightful heritage and reveal their treacherous cousin who planned the military coup. While in the sisterhood, one of the twins loves 
and learns the way of the blue magic. While the other twin cannot wait to get back to the life he used to have and stop wearing a dress. How will the twins reveal the truth and save their city-state? The only way to find out is to read the graphic novel The Deep and Dark Blue, released by Hatchet. Hachet. Hatchet. Hachet. Hatchet. Oh, it's just pronounced Hachet. I've been in quarantine a long time. Prior to the book's publication, I had the lovely opportunity to interview Nikki Smith, the Deep in the Dark Blues author and illustrator. I am always impressed and in awe of writers who double as illustrators, because not only am I envious, but they are a double threat. I do not have the patience to sit down and draw. And even if I did draw, your eyes would burn out of your sockets. It, it, it is so bad. But to have the practice and the practice and the practice, not to mention just the ability to sit down and take what is in your imagination and make it a visible reality, I will always find that amazing. Speaking of practice, 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 please, <laughs> please laugh at me during this interview, not Nikki. Nikki's just brilliant throughout the entire thing, but listen closely to me because throughout the interview when I'm asking my questions, you can hear me go, so, now, so, now, and I do that for almost every other question. While I am a professional interviewer, it shows I can always use more practice to perfect my skill and become a better interviewer in the future. And I know most of the time that stuff is edited out with more, you know, people, journalists on the news and stuff like that, but I don't because I honestly think it's hilarious and it reminds me to be humble and not have delusions or illusions of grandeur. Without further ado, here is the interview. Uh, hi, I'm Nikki Smith. I'm a graphic novel creator. I write and draw my own stuff. Um, my newest book, uh, The Deep and Dark Blue, is coming out from Little Brown Young Readers in January 2020. Now, I had the pleasure of reading The Deep and Dark Blue, and I could go on and spoil the entire plot <laughs> for people, but I'm not going to do that. So why don't you tell us what The Deep and Dark Blue is about? Uh, the, Deep and Dark uh, the Deep and Dark Blue is about two twins um, who are on the run after their noble house has been taken from them in a coup and they uh, disguise themselves and hide in a order of magical women called the communion of blue who have the ability to control the wind and the world around them by spinning thread and weaving magical tapestries okay that is pretty awesome i love textile arts particularly embroidery and tambour beating which is another story what mm -hmm. drove you to use the textile arts in your story um 
so I grew up reading and watching all sorts of uh, stories like Mulan or Tamora Pierce's Alana that were about girls who disguised themselves as boys. My favorite, um, and too. they wanted to be like pirates or knights or all sorts of things. And it was always a girl yearning to live the life of a boy that would allow her to do everything, seemingly. And the life of a girl was re- really just dreary and nobody wanted it and so I wanted to do my own twist on that because I loved the genre and like the gender bending and like messing with gender roles and expectations Um, but I wanted to see if I could reverse it and make this world of women that was something that a kid would yearn for and yearn to be part of and um, I also wanted to uh, none of those books at least when I was growing up, I had actual LGBT characters. So I wanted to make the story about um, a young trans girl who's hiding um, uh, with these this group of women. But for her, it's not a disguise. It's her chance to actually live as herself for the first time. Okay. So, yeah, what I really enjoyed about your book, well, first let me say, Mulan is my absolute favorite Disney movie, at least <laughs> one of the favorites, depending on when you ask me. And I love Tamora Pierce. Oh my gosh. Have you ever met her? No, I okay. wish. I'd I met to. her. Oh yeah. I met her once. Really nice lady. Um, we could probably talk for hours about her. But back to yeah, you. Yeah, I still read all of her books when they come out. I know. It's what I like seeing about Tamora Pierce is how her writing has evolved over the years. It's the yeah. maturity is <laughs> It's changed so much and really just gotten better and better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can only hope that when you're admiring someone that your own work gets better and better as you age as well, you know? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, back to the deep and, the deep and dark blue. What I particularly enjoyed uh, about the deep and dark blue is when you were talking about the, the trans girl, the main character here. Mm-hmm. is you didn't make that a central plot point. Now, don't get me wrong. Wait, let me rephrase that. Yes, it is a central plot point, but it's not a story about, oh, we have a trans person in the story. It's just a characteristic of this person. Because you read so much literature and watch so many movies where it's about, you know, the main point is this person is a trans individual or this person is gay or having to come to terms with this but this is just an a person who's having mm-hmm. to deal with her or her family being killed the coup her brother having to hide and all that and she just so happens to be trans and that's just it's it's more ordinary does that am i saying something that makes sense here yeah absolutely that was really something i wanted to to do is write a story and adventure about, you know, uh, queer kids who get to go and learn magic and save the day and fight battles and all this stuff. And the fact that they're trans or queer is just part of them. It's not, um, it's not a story that is their journey to coming out. It just, that is a part of what unfolds in the pages, but she knows who she is from the first page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, the deep and dark blue. Now, the blue, I know, is reference to the ladies in the magical convent 
nunnery. How would you describe it? A nunnery, a convent, just a sisterhood? Yeah, it's an a order? sisterhood. Yeah, um, I was inspired by nunneries and okay. um, things like that. But yeah, so the blue from the title comes from the the magical indigo dye that they use. That um, so there's weaving magic and spinning magic with spindles um, and uh, the dyers and everything. There's different aspects to this this group of women. Mm-hmm. So yeah. do are there any other colors that play a significant role or is it just only the blue color? The blue is the main the main thing. Um, you I, I'm guessing you read the the black and white advanced reader copy. Yeah. Yeah. So in the final book you'll be able to tell but uh, the color blue does not appear anywhere except for when they're in the communion of blue. <gasps> oh. Uh, or like the blue sky and the blue water um, that they reference. But nothing else, no clothing, no you know shadows or anything is blue. It's this sort of holy, magical color that wow. is reserved. That's actually pretty amazing. Was that your choice as the artist? Yeah, that was something I had in mind from like the very first pitch that I made for it. I wanted to use this limited palette and have the color really mm-hmm. be something about the story and also visually Yeah, that is uh, awesome. a big part of it. That is awesome. Now, you mentioned that Mulan and Alana were inspirations for this story. Were there any other particular things that you can pinpoint that helped you write it? Um... I did, I mean, I have read so many of these gender-bending <laughs> stories over the years. Yeah. Um, Terry Pratchett wrote one. There's a great series um, called Bloody Jack about oh. a girl who disguises herself as a pi- uh, as a, a sailor and eventually oh. a pirate. Um, twins have been sort of an aspect of these stories mm-hmm. all along, like uh, Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. Oh, yeah. Uh, for example. <laughs> so I wanted to bring in the twins for that and also to have sort of see how they have these contrasting reactions to all the things that they go through, where Grace is really, mm-hmm. this is everything she's ever wanted, and Hawk can't wait to get away and get revenge. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about Grace and Hawk, the twins. Um, mm-hmm. Hawk appears to be the typical traditional boy and grace she's a bit more well you describe her um so they're identical twins they look almost identical except for hawk has a little bit wavier hair but Mm -hmm. um i wanted to like comics is such a visual medium i wanted to really draw upon like body language and posture and so that even when they look nearly identical you never get the two confused Mm -hmm. Um, so Hawk is, like you said, he's full of energy and uh, quick to, you know, go on the defensive and get angry, but also quick to laugh um, and quick to cry, too. He cries much more than <laughs> his sister does. Um, whereas Grace has, she's been going through a lot and she's much quieter and more reserved and more empathetic. Hawk doesn't really pick up on what she's going through um, until she you know, is blunt <laughs> and makes him <laughs> yeah. come to terms. Yeah. 
So I noticed that their parents aren't in the story, or are they mm -hmm. somewhere traveling? Can you tell me a bit more about uh, that? They parents? passed away. Yeah, they passed away before the story started. If I ever get to do sequels, um, if the story, if the book is a huge success, I would love to <laughs> revisit the world. Um, we'll get to learn a bit more about their parents and what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, speaking of uh, sequels, Hache, hint, 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 let Nikki mm -hmm. write more. Um, the only criticism. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, hint, hint. The only criticism I have is that it um, ended. Uh, you obviously have... You obviously have a deeper world, the deep and dark blue world of Nikki Smith. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot more going on in here than just this particular book. Tell us a little bit about what you were doing when you were designing the world. Um, so, so much, like, fantasy that you encounter is sort of based off, like, medieval Europe, kings and queens and royalty. Um, and I wanted to do something different while still like having a, a reference to draw from. So I looked at um, actually the Republic of Florence um, in, the, in the Middle Ages in the medieval uh, time. And it was sort of, it's a city state. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's where these kids live. Um, so there's a, a council of lords and like really um, high merchant families that are representatives and control the city working together. Uh, and the, the twins are the grandkids of one of these families. Mm -hmm. So they're nobles, but they're not like, you know, prince and princess or anything. Now, is there a, like a high king or queen ruler or are they just no, individuals? No, it's, they're self-sufficient. Yeah. And, Medieval times, there were a lot of city-states that had their own thing going on. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I mean, you mentioned Terry Pratchett and Tamar Pierce, and then, then you know, there's always Disney. Um, mm -hmm. How does magic particularly work in this world? You mentioned that uh, the Sisterhood of the Blue, they control magic with uh, spinning and other textile arts. Are there any other types of magic and how it's controlled? Uh, no, that's that's about it. It's this mysterious blue dye, um, and so the the religion is sort of based around the idea that the the Holy Mother wove the world on her loom, um, and the sisterhood worships her and continues mm -hmm. her work and follows in her footsteps. Mm -hmm. um, so they they dye this wool, and they using their spindles. Um, they're using drop spindles rather than what you see in like Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> um, those came much later mm -hmm. originally and in cultures everywhere across the world. Mm -hmm. They've used different designs of drop spindles. Um, they can like spin the wind or fire or water um, and weave tapestries that, you know, show a bloodline. Mm -hmm. Wow. Have you ever used a drop spindle yourself? I have one. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not very good at it, uh, but mm -hmm. I think that might be my wrist is a little, I have to wear like a, a brace while I'm drawing <laughs> because art is, has, takes its toll on the body. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I'm a little clumsy with it still, but I'd love to get better at it. Yeah, I have visited, um, I, I don't know if you have as well, but 
I continuously tour historical sites in around the United States, particularly those, you know, like homesteaders and pioneers. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. one of the things they always talk about is how time was always precious. So they always had people doing stuff. And one of the things that they had kids doing was spinning. Right. Spinning thread. And they just gave these children these little tops or the drop spindle, as you call them, and they spun. And this was there. <laughs> yeah, you could learn it really young and do it absolutely anywhere because it was so portable. Uh-huh. And it's actually kind of fun if you don't have to do it as a chore or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it would get pretty exhausting to do yeah. it day after day. But. Yeah, it would. I mean, I wouldn't mind doing it if you could have like an audio book or even TV, mm-hmm. but that wasn't around in pioneer days. No, I definitely go through a lot of audio books while I'm drawing. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. And now, podcasts. Podcasts oh, are oh, great. Have, are, you should uh, subscribe to a little one called Tune and Talk by Whitney Grace. I think I've heard of it. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just uh, dropping a hint to any listeners out there. If you haven't already subscribed, subscribe! Or, you know, I'm just kidding. So, do you embroider or do any of your own textiles other than draw? Um, I grew up doing cross stitch with my grandma, but I'm not very uh, skilled at it. <laughs> I probably haven't done it in quite a few years. Um, but like, I'd always see great like little felting things and stuff like that. Um, embroidery. It, there's so many different uh, just textile arts, and they it's always been just like dismissed as like women's work. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to like highlight that and show how unique it is. Like fiber arts have been part of mythologies like around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Plato talked about how the universe rotates on a spindle. You know, like you see these metaphors everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to sort of bring that back and highlight it again. Mm-hmm. Now I'm familiar with the myth of Arachne and Athena and the weaving contest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's. There's see. also like in Hercules. It's in the movie too. The the three fates. Uh-huh. Who um, one of them spins the thread, one of them measures the lifetime, and the other cuts it with scissors. Oh yeah, the fates. Yeah. Yeah, the mor- morai, as they called. Uh, they only have mm-hmm. one eye among them, the gray ladies. <laughs> yeah, there's a, they have a version of those in Norse mythology, too. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, uh, the uh, Norn, I think that's what mm-hmm. they call them. Yeah, those ladies are pretty cool. I, how, did you ever watch the Hercules cartoon? From Disney? Uh, yes. In the yeah. 90s, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> it's been a while, but yeah. They actually had a crossover. Um, well, I wouldn't call it a crossover, but uh, Hercules goes and visits some of the Norse gods. Mm-hmm. And then he sees that the fates are double timing <laughs> the Greek and the Norse gods. And he's like, hey, why are you guys? And they're like, we're not talking Perfect. about this. <laughs> exactly uh, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Now, your drawing style... I have to say, I'm absolutely in love with it, and it reminds me a lot of the Airbender, uh, the last Ember, the Airbender series, the Legend of the Last Airbender, and then the Legend of Korra. What are some of your influences, in your own opinion? Um, I've gotten that comparison before. Uh, I'm probably the same influences that they had. <laughs> I read a lot of manga growing up. 
Um, I was part of the really huge manga boom in the early 2000s, and just those were my intro to comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's just a great, uh, just diverse amount of independent graphic novels coming out by women and non-binary creators nowadays, and just influenced by their styles and growing through that. Mm-hmm. What Now... Speaking of the manga boom, <laughs> what were uh, some of your favorite manga at that time? Uh, Ranma One Half was definitely one of yes. them. It's yes. the same gender bending, gender roles <laughs> mess that I loved in the novels that I read too yeah. back then. But yeah, I've still got, I've actually got a couple on my shelf right now that are in German that I've been using to practice. <laughs> Oh, 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 tell me what they are. Please, please, please. No, it, the, the Ramla, old Ramla volumes. <laughs> Ramla off Deutsch? Yep. Oh my gosh. Were those hard to find? Uh, they're actually my wife's old copies <laughs> from when she was a teen. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't think Viz oh. published those. Must have been some other, um, must have been a German publisher. Oh, wow. Yeah, yep, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, I've lived here for about four years now, and comics are a fun way to get vocabulary that they don't teach me in, you know, German class. Yeah. Now, I um, I love anyone who knows me knows that I'm obsessed with languages, particularly German. And and I make fun of languages, particularly the grammatic, grammatic structure and how they sound. I mean, German. <laughs> I'm only laughing, and I'm not being mean to the Germans. I mean, my I'm German, so if anyone gets mad at that, I'm German. But, uh, well, of German descent. Um I love it how when you speak German, you can say the most innocuous sentence, and it's and depending on your tone, you can make it sound like you're yelling. Yeah, I yeah. mean, mostly most languages. <laughs> well, or it sounds like you're saying something really rude or mean or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can only, when I'm th- when you mention that Rama and one half in German, and I can only think of Akane and Rama just arguing in German. <laughs> how hilarious that would be. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch it. I've uh, just read it, so I don't know what the dub sounds like. Oh, yeah, the American dub. D- did you ever watch that one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was oh, wow. Early days. Oh, yeah, early days of, of dubbing. Uh, yeah, compared to how the artists progress, it's, it's just funny how to see that. So, would... You live in Germany now. Now, I know that in Europe, comics are viewed differently than they are in the United States. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with that? Um, more so in France, I think. France has, and Belgium, have this really great just culture of um, bande dessinée, um, like hardback, mm-hmm. beautiful graphic novels. Um, Germany, less so, unfortunately, but there's always classics like Tintin. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're everywhere in Asterix. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a small but definitely persistent German comics community that I'm slowly getting to know, and it's it's great to see all the work that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Now, have you ever been to a German uh, Comic-Con over there or anywhere else in Europe? Yeah, I've done um, a couple here. I was... There's a comic salon Erlangen mm-hmm. uh, in Erlangen every other year. It switches between there and Munich, um, where I live. And I did last year a, a panel about queer comics, um, which was 
pretty tricky because I had to do it all in German, but I think <laughs> I managed. That's so cool. Now, have you noticed anything particularly different about a German Comic-Con compared to, say, a U.S. Comic-Con? Um, smaller, mm-hmm. for sure. It's just a smaller country, so, mm-hmm. like, much smaller, you know, smaller than Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the publishers are also smaller. Um, you're not going to see things on the same scale that you would see them in the U.S. Do you still have people cosplaying? Uh, at the, there's the people, I think the people who run the, the big conventions um, in the United States are sort of bringing those over and trying to start them over here too, but I don't know if they're mm-hmm. quite taking off. But yeah, there there's the whole comic con thing that are more uh, media <laughs> at this point so a lot of you know game of thrones and stuff like that rather than actual comics culture yeah it has it all meshes together and yet it still remains separate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's definitely an, an anime and manga fandom that has lots of cosplay i should say yeah a lot of that um i know that in europe you get it even during the manga boom that we experienced in the United States, they had better access to more anime and manga than we did at that time, mm-hmm. which has made me exceedingly jealous. Yeah, I mean, things are probably censored differently, too. Like, you wouldn't find nudity censored over here like you would in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember having to hide... a comics like Rommel one half from my mother because of the nudity mm-hmm. and uh but i don't know something what, what what about you did you ever have to do something like that um i don't think so i somehow got away with it <laughs> <laughs> oh our mothers how we and fathers how we have to hide them from our hobbies yeah, I'm sure I accidentally um, rented some VHSs that were not uh, PG anime <laughs> once or twice that stumbled into. Mm-hmm. Definitely returned those quickly. Yeah. Now let's go back to your The Deep and The Dark Blue. Let's talk about a bit more there. When you were writing about the conflict that the twins face. Did Was there something particular that you want to avoid? Like you, It's really... I'm trying to describe your story without giving away any uh, spoilers <laughs> here. All I can say is it's not cliche at all, um, which is what kept me turning the pages. When you were writing the conflict they are facing, were there some things that you were trying to avoid, or did you just write it out? Well, I'm glad you don't think it's too cliche. That's definitely what I was going for. Yay! Um, I didn't want to write, you know, a big, bad, evil villain. I wanted to, you know, they're fighting against someone, but she has her own motivations and she has her own reasons to think that her way is the correct way and for the best of uh, their house mm-hmm. and for the city's sake. Um and she just goes about it in a brutal way, and the twins have to deal with the aftermath. Mm-hmm. 
tell us a bit more about the antagonist here, because when it when, when I saw that it was female, I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so the antagonist is um, a distant cousin of theirs, Morel, who's a captain in the guard, the military of the city, and she thinks that their the house that um, their seat on the council should be um, more militaristic and just sort of uh, mm-hmm. strengthen the the city's defenses. So I guess sort of. Um, you know, it's hard not to be inspired by uh, all the things going on in U.S. politics and that sort of back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that because I try to yeah. keep my show <laughs> anti-political. Now, Germany has its own um, political, as you could say, some might say controversial politics too were you were you in without naming anything too specific to be controversial and cite you know big arguments were you influenced by anything that was going on in germany at that time uh over the last year or two yeah uh is there a lot going on (laughs) i was thinking the uh refugee crisis and germany taking in a lot of uh of the people from uh yeah, that was, um, Munich is sort of, we're in the south, so mm-hmm. a lot of the refugees come through Munich before dispersing on mm-hmm. to other cities, um, and it has a great Muslim community here, um, and it's, I really enjoy seeing the city be so diverse um, going out. I know there's certainly backlash in parts of the city, or yeah. parts of the country, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. people need help, <laughs> and the Western world's messed with uh, mm-hmm. destabilizing these countries in the first place mm-hmm. in many circumstances. Uh, yes, that is a solid fact that I totally agree with, and there are many, many sources to verify what you have said. And for people who don't agree, all I'm going to say is colonialism. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So Munich, do you? That's they say that München auf Deutsch. Yep. Am I, am I correct here? Tell me, can you tell me a little bit about the? What are some things that you enjoy about living in München? Um. So Munich is com- Bavaria is compared to Texas in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's uh, the more conservative part of the country. Uh, uh, more Christian than many, most other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have their own, like, we should be independent, you know, <laughs> group of people. Um, but I, I think it's great here. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of, it feels like a smaller city, despite being one of the biggest ones in Germany. Um, it certainly doesn't feel anything like New York City. There's a there's a law that everything built has to be lower than the uh, the big church in the middle of the city center. So it's you know I can see the Alps out my window right now. It's very <laughs> oh the Alps wow. peaceful. Yeah, mm-hmm. my uh, one part of my f- I have many many German family relatives, and one one of my uh, relatives 
came over from that area. And man, I am so, so envious of you right now. I bet it's pretty out there right now. Is it, is it a blue sky? Or is it a cloudy day? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty blue sky. The best thing about it, though, would be the healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> Especially as, you know, a comic artist, freelancer. Oh, yeah, I bet, too. Um, still live in a country with a little more security. Yeah. Do you, um, by any chance, are you seeing snow on top of the mountains these days? Or is that a bit uh, too long? Yeah, there's certainly the highest peaks have snow year-round. Oh, that's awesome. That is so awesome. I'm thinking Heidi right now. <laughs> so I don't think that's in Germany quite, but yeah. No, I Pretty close nearby. Yeah, that's what's, I don't know. It's an old story, but it's fun. I'm thinking of the Shirley Temple version right now. Mm-hmm. Grandfather. Yeah, I'm not going to get started on Shirley Temple. So let me see. I'm going to see what I'm right now. I'm shifting through your book to see if there's anything I want to talk to you about without giving away any of the spoilers. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. The name Grace um, mm-hmm. I for the main character. I love how you spell it. G-R-A-Y-C-E or is that it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Now, did you have that particular name chosen for this trans individual this trans girl to begin with or did you come up as you wrote that uh it came up as I wrote Mm -hmm. names are actually something that I Mm -hmm. assign pretty late in the process Mm -hmm. I'll write a whole like outline for a story before I figure out names for my characters Mm -hmm. um so it's just sort of main girl and main boy for quite a while (laughs) when I was writing um but yeah I found I liked Grace and you know it's a fantasy novel. I had to give her a fantasy spelling. <laughs> yeah, I think um, right now in YA books, just different ways of spelling and names and names that you wouldn't even have thought of for characters are really popular right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking right now of Katniss Everdeen from uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the Hunger, Hunger Games, Games. Yeah. yeah yeah those are good books third one was a bit slow but that's my opinion you could have thought something entirely <laughs> different um is there a big YA scene over in Germany I know that there was like a something a trilogy about books with like a ruby and emerald and a sapphire and they made movies about. Uh, I don't know if I know that. You mean graphic novels or novels? It was just regular novels. Novels. Um, I mean, like the the Inkheart series is German. Uh-huh. Um, I know they made like a movie with Brendan Fraser or something yeah. based off of those in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are some others that are surprisingly German, but I mean, this is there's a museum with for the Neverending Story just an hour away from me where you can go ride on Falcor's back. Have you been? I have not yet been. But yeah, they actually changed his name from the German version because in German it's pronounced or it's spelled F U C H O R, I think, and they <laughs> they thought that Americans might mispronounce that. Yeah, <laughs> Make I don't it sound a little <laughs> I don't think that they would. Yeah, they would. Yeah. You, you know, <laughs> I mean, we're both American kids. We know how they mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, 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 yep. And what are you doing, woman? You need to go visit that museum. I know. I need to. I keep waiting for one of our friends to visit and be like, this is what we want to do. 
But nope, everyone wants to go to the beer garden instead. Uh, the beer garden. But beer gardens, you have, it's Germany, there are beer gardens everywhere. There are beer gardens everywhere here. Yep, 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 yep. So, um, let's see. Okay, I want to just talk about so much without spoiling anything. Um, what is one thing that, if you could have readers take just one thing away from reading your story, what would it be? Um... I would just love for just straight cis kids to read the book and just realize that, you know, queer kids are just like them, just, you know, mm-hmm. as interesting or annoying or, you know, they get to have the same adventures. I, I want them to just recognize that we are <laughs> people too mm-hmm. and we can have fun. And, um, yeah, so it's not you know, there's a a trans protagonist, but this isn't a book just for trans folks to read, you know, it's for everyone to read and be like, oh, you know, she's just like me. Exactly. Yeah, and like I said earlier in this interview, it's not the main focus of the story, it's just, oh, it's this, a characteristic of this individual named Grace, who happens to be trans, and the rest of the story is more about compact combating a coup and trying to get back trying to get back home and get their lives and family restored. Yep. But do they or do they not? We dun, don't dun, dun. know. And is Grace is Grace accepted by the blue? We don't know. Well, actually, I know. But <laughs> listeners, if you want to know, you have to read The Deep and Dark Blue. By none other than the great Nikki Smith, who lives right now in München, Deutschland. Yeah, I just felt like saying that, because it's fun. <laughs> cool. So, Miss Nikki Smith, I believe we have arrived at the end of the interview, unless there is something more you would like to add? No, I think that's great. That's okay. Alright. Now, I'm going to ask you the question I ask everyone who is a guest on Tune In Talk. You ready mm-hmm. for it? I'm ready. All right. Miss Nikki Smith, do you have anything to declare? I feel like I'm going through uh, immigration again. You could be, but could you be. might not be. That's I declare that kids deserve queer comics. I grew up not getting to read or not getting to see myself in uh, in novels or comics or movies or anything. Mm-hmm. And sort of LGBT topics made a book somehow too adult for us to ever see. So I say the kids deserve queer comics. They deserve to see themselves. And I 100% agree with that because we should live in a time. We, what I'm trying to say is something profound, but I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm just going to say we sh- we live in a time where we should be more enlightened, we should be more tolerant, we should be just more accepting of individuals and the stuff, just all their stuff, as long as it's not bad or, you know, harming another person. And stuff like this should just become every day and make an interesting story if you happen to be writing about it. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. 
Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 I feel like we're from King of the Hill and Alley. Yep. Yep. <laughs> no, that would be a fun cartoon to see in German. <laughs> yeah. 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 They say they say yup. Really? Yep. J U P. Yep. Now that is my um grandmother um she uh grew up speaking German for a long time and if she heard that she would be appalled. She's like, No No, no, no. She very, very uh particular about German. But I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, grandma, whatever. So, um Miss Nikki Smith or should mm-hmm. I say Frau Nikki Smith. Schmidt do they do they actually they sometimes call you Schmidt over there? by accident uh occasionally the the male person does yes (laughs) (laughs) frau nikki schmidt yeah um thank you so much um honestly hashay hat i call it hatchet but i know it's not i know it's hashay they really need to give you at least a trilogy here um or if not more i would love to do it start the petition (laughs) yeah it's you got something grand here and i I don't know where it's going to go, but I would love to read more. It's great to hear. All right. I'm glad you liked it. Welcome to the bottom of the Tune and Talk podcast. And I hope after listening to that lovely interview of Nikki Smith, that you are inspired to go visit the finest online purveyor of books, and go and purchase The Deep and the Dark Blue. I would say visit your nearest bookstore or a retailer, but we're in a pandemic, people. You have to self-isolate, and there's no better way to spend it than reading The Deep and the Dark Blue by Nikki Smith and realizing that if someone just happens to be trans, it does not define their entire personality. It's just a faucet of it. And that is one thing I have noticed as a professional writer of nonfiction trying to be a professional fiction writer it takes a lot of time people but one thing like I said I just noticed is whenever you see someone who is part of the LGBTQA and other letters I forget to include if I forgot a letter I'm not trying to be rude I apologize but back to the topic whenever someone who is part of that community is portrayed on TV or in a book, they are a static, one-dimensional stereotype. It's very similar to up until a few years ago, well, and even still today, how ethnic minorities are portrayed in film and TV as just being a living embodiment of that stereotype. And it's... It's insulting to the people, but it's also insulting to everyone because it's Hollywood pandering to the lowest common denominator. And as we've seen during this COVID-19 pandemic is we as a species are a lot better than that. I'm speaking about how the majority of humanity during this COVID-19 pandemic has responded with kindness love and patience and the desire to help their fellow human rather than be a douche what better way to say it yeah there are some people in there political leaders hoarders 
other people who I'm not going to name. But overall, I think we have come into our own and shown that, hey, as a species, we have our faults, but we're better than that. And that's what I love about the deep and the dark blue. Nikki Smith has shown that the twins, they're just regular people, and particularly Gracie, she just wants to live her life. She wants to be happy. And she's found her place in the world. And frankly, I think that's all what we want. Not to mention more Twinkies. Yeah, I really, really need this pandemic to end so I can go out and not be quarantined. And, oh boy, illusions and delusions of grandeur. While the echoes of all the so's and now's I uttered during that interview with Nikki Smith are echoing throughout your room, it is now time to come to the end of another episode of the Tune In Talk podcast. And I am so happy that all of you listened and have been patient. And thank you once more to Nikki Smith for being a guest. And as I said at the end of our interview with her, Hache, give her another deal. She's very talented. She's a great writer. And also... If I ever get the chance to publish my own graphic novel, or even my own fiction novel, I, <laughs> I'd love for the chance to work with Nikki because I love her art style, and she really knows how to tell a story through pictures, and that, that is a talent that you can't just practice. You have to really, really be intuitive with that, and she is. So that brings us to the end of another episode of the Tune In Talk podcast. And now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to give into my autistic behavior of loving repetitive tasks by winding skeins of yarn into balls of yarn. I don't know why. I just love it. And it's really the only thing that's been keeping me sane during my 60 plus days of quarantine. I don't get it myself, but it's an autistic thing. And I just happen to be autistic. You can sense a loop going on here. Welcome to my mind. Oh dear. I'll catch you in the next episode, everyone.